Hello and welcome back to The Restroom, the podcast about living well with chronic illness. I'm your host, Natasha Lippman. It feels a little strange to be introducing my guest for this episode, my husband Sebastian. If you read my latest newsletter, you'll have seen that we just got married at a lovely little ceremony, but when we recorded this conversation, we were about a week away from our wedding day. Sebastian isn't here to talk about the wedding though. We're going to be discussing relationships and what it means to navigate all that entails when one half of the couple has a chronic illness. As you'll hear in this episode, there was a time in my life where as much as I wanted to be in a relationship, I didn't really think that it would be an option for me. I didn't even want to be with myself, so how could I expect anyone else to want to be with me? But it turns out I was wrong. I learned to accept that I am worthy of love and can be in a healthy and happy relationship. I learned that my conditions were just a part of me and they're not going anywhere. And I learned that even if I can't do a lot of the things that healthy young people are supposed to do, it doesn't mean that I don't have a huge amount to offer in a relationship. And that's exactly what we'll be exploring today, from both sides. What is it like to be with someone who can't do a lot of those things? To see someone you love in pain and not be able to stop it? And how can you find joy, humour and happiness even in the most challenging times? Obviously, we can only talk about our personal experiences and we are not claiming that we have the answers or that our experiences will be universal. This is just what has worked for us. But if you're in a place where you're feeling as though a relationship is out of the question for you, you're just starting out in a new relationship and wondering how to navigate all the tricky parts, or you're the partner of someone with chronic illness, we hope that you find this chat helpful and hopeful. Hi. Oh my god, I get to hear you put on your radio voice. My very, very professional (laughs) radio voice. So today we are here and we're going to be talking about relationships and chronic illness. We are recording this exactly a week before we get married, although this will be coming out after we get married. And I thought it would be nice today to have a conversation about chronic illness and relationships because there's a lot of things that we've discussed over the years and you're smirking and it's going to make me laugh. Um, I have discussed over the years, but a lot of things that people on Instagram have asked about. And I thought it would just be nice to have this conversation and mine our relationship for content. Talk about our relationship journey. Our relationship journey. So we have been together how long? I think in October. Yeah, in October. It's now six years, right? Six years. I thought it might be good to talk about how we first started talking about my health in the relation. Do you remember? Did I mention it at the beginning? Uh, I think on you said on our very first date that you like you basically listed all your health issues and told me how because <laughs> we met on uh, I don't know because we, we met on Tinder and I think one of the very first things you said is like basically these are my this is my deal I just remember you saying that you've been on a series of essentially bad dates and you've had like a lot of disappointments in the past so now you'd rather be upfront about this I, I remember sitting there and being like okay <laughs> and yeah. then we were friends for a bit yeah we we're friends for a bit so I think we yeah I think we were friends for like a few months like four months or so and it's quite funny because I think the second time that we hung out I had kept cancelling mm. many many times because I was quite unwell and I throw my back out yeah I know exactly exactly and I I remember that uh I came over and I think we were like, we went Pokemon hunting. We that was the, that was the time of Pokemon Go. Um, and we literally just did it around my building. Yeah. But I was basically lying on the sofa most of the time because my back had gone. Yeah, you were lying on the sofa and I think we were watching like like some late night show or something. It's like Jon Stewart or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So what was that like for you at the beginning in terms of hearing about these conditions you said to me something interesting so I said oh back then you wouldn't have been able to know if I hadn't said something and you you had said that no you could see because you didn't walk normally because I think I met you at the tube station yeah right? and like you were definitely waddling to on the way <laughs> to the restaurant <laughs> yeah how did you feel hearing that oh okay I'm going on a date with someone who has kind of health issues is it something that you really thought about is it something that made you think oh okay maybe this isn't even worth pursuing Apart from the fact that I'm very delightful and charming, obviously. No, I didn't. The thing is, I didn't really know what to expect because I hadn't really met anyone with your kind of health conditions before. I will say that I thought, because I 
basically I've been in like a slightly abusive relationship before. And I, I think my first thought was, well, haven't had that one before. Let's see how this one turns out. And it was also just a lot of my friends, especially at the beginning, I think were worried about what well, people can't see me doing scare quotes, but that you are taking advantage of me, I think was sort of the the main concern. And I think that was a that was a big uh, potential issue that I could see, but you know that wasn't at all the case. I think it's quite interesting because you were a lot more okay with going ahead into a relationship than I was in the sense that I was really scared of you not actually wanting to be able to put up with my things, and so I was kind of like a bit pushing you away at the beginning because it's like if it starts to get serious someone's going to have to like properly see all of these things about me that I hate so much about myself. And that was a really scary thing. No, I remember you being quite like, you know, keeping your, keeping your distance. Yeah. And it's interesting because like, also I didn't know, you know, cause obviously how would I know, but I didn't know whether this was degenerative or not. So whether, you know, it would get worse over time. Then I did some Googling around <laughs> Um, but you didn't read any of my stuff at the beginning no I didn't I didn't because like it I would have felt like invasion of your privacy I mean you know you know you put it out there <laughs> on your of your own accord but I know it would have felt weird because like like I'm a very not online person so you can you know it would have been an unfair advantage I guess and also I didn't you know I want to ask you like I felt weird like bringing up things from what I've read about you you know it's it's i don't know it's 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 strange oh yeah i know about the story that you told me yes. about this really traumatic thing because i read it on your social media <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that would, but i i think it's as well it almost i t i tended especially back then to write about the most negative things on social media mm -hmm. and that was a way of coping with that stuff so you wouldn't have got like an a full accurate picture of me as a person if you were only seeing me writing about like the worst bits exactly and that's that's actually that's a really good point because i think honestly i think if i had read some of your blog back then i think it would have been like it would have been like oh my god this is this is horrible and this is just like this is all negative and i think it would have given me a very distorted picture and also i think one of your main things of you know and why i thought like this is like this can work is you always had a good sense of humor with all of this. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I remember you making jokes about, about your health and your party trick as a, was it as a four year old of being able to dislocate your knee? And I think that, you know, yeah, that also comes across in your writing, but I think even like, I think back then on your blog, it was, it was more like earnest writing like, oh, this is bad. And I think the humor wasn't as much in there. It was more and venting. I, yeah, exactly. It was more venting. And I think if if I'd only read that, uh, uh, if I'd only read that, I would have had a very different impression of you than, you know, from talking to you. I think that, you know, meant a lot that you, and I, I've, I think I said, you, uh, said that to you from the beginning, that that I can be with you because of the way you deal with it and it's not it doesn't it never feels like you're putting any of this on me I know that you're doing the best you can to deal with all of your issues you know then it doesn't feel because uh, I know that you'd like to that you'd like to ask whether I'm annoyed with you or whether you're a burden <laughs> he can tell where I am in my cycle like to the day where I am in my cycle because I'm like are you annoyed with me he's like check your app but yeah I, I think that's a really good point because you got to know me as me and because you did know about my health in the beginning, but obviously I didn't tell you everything at the beginning in terms of like how badly it affected me sometimes or how like emotionally difficult that was. But I think that probably did come across because I was like, how can someone want to be with someone when I don't even want to be with myself? And so while I always did want a relationship, it was one of those things where I was like, I was so scared of that and so scared of being rejected because of my health and because I couldn't do all of the things that like a normal person can do. It took me a really long time to trust that you were genuine in what you said and that it didn't really bother you in that way. So I, I think it might be 
interesting to discuss just how we get along in life in the sense that one of the so I had put on Instagram um, a call out for a bunch of questions let me just get this open um, because one of the most common questions that we had is how do you deal with the guilt of restricting your partner's life experiences how do you manage if your partner wants to be more active than you're able to and so I think it might be nice to just discuss from the beginning how we navigated being able to do things, not being able to do things, how we've been able to be together. Because I actually think that my health has really impacted how we are as a couple, because I think it brought us closer from the beginning. Yeah, I think just in in general, it just meant that we had to, sp- had to <laughs> shock horror, uh, spend a lot of time, uh, spend a lot of time together at home on the sofa slash in your robot bed. And I think, I think it's also just, it's a bit, you know, personality dependent because I mean, we're basically grandparents at this point. We're in our thirties, <laughs> but we basically behave like us, like an old couple. So including it, shaking fists at the youths <laughs> outside the window going, you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When, uh, uh, when they're being loud, I think it helps that we're both very happy being together reading something and then talking about it if anything i think that it really forced us to communicate from the beginning much more so than because i think a lot of people with dating in in the modern sense i think a lot of it is like you do an activity together and you know i don't know you play you play some sport or you do uh you drink a lot you, go you drink a meals. lot and i think all of this is like you know people have different uh like show different aspects of their personality in different social situations right so and i think this is basically this just delays getting to know the person in their normal ground state like what they are in day-to-day life because like when you're doing all of these activities it distracts from who you are when you're tired in everyday life and all of these things. So I think we just basically skipped all of that part and went right to being on the sofa. <laughs> and yeah, and I, if anything, I think it really, yeah, it really meant what you had to, because you had to tell me when it was too much. I mean, now I now I know and I can tell from, you know, being with you for a while, I can tell when it's too much for you and when you're dehydrated. Um, but that's more just funny for you. Yes, but back then you had to you had to tell me when it was be, uh, when it was too much for you. And also, this was like when we met. You didn't have a mobility aid, so your your crushes were a lot worse. That's true. Because I remember, like you know, because we went out and yeah, went we to musicals, we went to the cinema, we went for dinner a lot. Yeah, and we got a lot of chocolates and ice cream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of things we can't do anymore. No. Uh, <laughs> metabolism slows down (laughs) yeah um i think that that also just meant that you know you had to you had to negotiate your your energy budget much more you had to tell me like oh okay i can't do this i need to rest now i mean you know took me a little while but after uh like i could pick uh pick up on you being wiped out or when I would push myself too much, which is yeah. what I definitely did in the early days as well, because I wanted to go out and I wanted mm-hmm. to do those things. And so I would push myself to do things. And then sometimes I wouldn't say how long I would crash for. It's like, oh, I'm really busy with work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't really doing much work at the time either. And so it was it was one of those things where over time being able to really show all of that and navigate that and feel like I wasn't being judged for it was really important like I remember once we went to oh god what are they called there was like it was like a murder mystery house thing you were following people around and it was it's an old house in central London somewhere you were going up and down these really crickety steps and they had debris everywhere and I said to them I'm really sorry I can't do it and they had split us up I was like I need to be with and it or you know if we'd been out and we would go to the tube and like I'd be grabbing onto you for dear life although I would freak you out a lot because I would also seem like I was falling every time a pigeon came so you'd be panicked that I'd like dislocated something but actually I was just trying to like move away from a pigeon 
And it's actually really funny because, like, I'm also a, the ti- I think a tiny bit hypermobile. You are hypermobile. And uh, when you see a pigeon, like, uh, especially in the early <laughs> days uh, when you know I was helping you up the stairs and so on and so forth, because I'd be grabbing onto him when we be, were walking. Yeah, exactly. You'd be grabbing onto me, and it felt like you were pulling out my finger. Oh, no. <laughs> I was just trying to give you an impression of what my life was like. That's exactly. All. So one of the things that you mentioned was there was a fear from your friends. And I think understandably, given your previous relationship, that I would take advantage of you. How did you kind of navigate what other people thought? Because one of the things that I found so difficult at the beginning was everyone was saying, Sebastian is so amazing. It's not all the time people would say put up with you. Sometimes they would, but that was always what was implied, that they that you were willing to put up with my my many deficiencies in their mind so there's that side of it but also every now and then there was like why does Natasha never come out with us why is Natasha never there and even though it wasn't sometimes there was oh Natasha you really should come out with us more you should and that was never from you but that also would then put you on the spot um, if I wasn't there and people were saying that so how did you navigate that side of things yeah I think that was that's like first of all I that also just upset me because I think people because of your you know back then you didn't have a mobility aid so there wasn't anything that was like you know quote unquote visibly wrong with you and I can be very and also charming and bubbly and very on on yeah yes exactly so people didn't necessarily see you know because people didn't see you when you were crashing so I think that took a while to take seriously and to understand that, you know, the two hours or something they saw you coming over for dinner or something that you were, that also meant you've been resting in bed for a week before that. I think so coming back to the first part of the question. So one thing that always <laughs> annoyed me is like being portrayed as, you know, the martyr, because well, at one point or another in any relationship, like, you know, if you're, uh, if you're together long enough, one partner is probably going to become disabled in one form or another, like just with old age. What are you gonna you gonna leave uh, you gonna leave your partner when they're sixty and they have I don't know cancer or something? So that's one thing that really annoyed me. And I also thought like there's something like a bit sexist about it because like I wonder if you know it had been reversed and I had the health issues whether anyone would have made a fuss about you taking care of me because that's kind of expected of you. So that's the other thing that really annoyed me about this. And yeah, I remember one episode when we went to, um, I think it was a Christmas market in in Berlin and I was pushing you around and you were being, you know, very fancy with your uh, God knows how many coats and uh, your little faux fur uh, hats and so on and so forth. I look very fabulous. You look very fabulous. I remember that we went up to this, uh, to this, uh, like food stand and they, there was like, there were like a bunch of girls and they were looking at us like so simple or like looking at you, looking at me, like very obviously, you know, back and forth. Yeah. And like, basically, what's he doing with that? I was so annoyed. <laughs> you were, I remember this. Um, yeah. And talking to my, talking to my friends. I think it took a while for it to sink uh, to sink in, and also you know what I think in that sense, you know, you being on, uh, I think you being on Instagram and you know being um, like a chronic uh, chronic illness and disability influencer helped because people could read up on your crashes, right? And I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of my friends actually kind of ended up stalking you for a bit, and then they were like, okay, now this is a real condition, and I think that help them to understand what's going on but also I had to tell them for a while and yeah I remember with some friends of mine like it really took a while before they I think you had that in your uh, also in your con- uh, conversation with Natasha it's like it's nice to be asked right but there's a very fine line between like being asked out to things even though people know you can't necessarily make it and feeling pressured to go to all of these social events although you can't did you ever feel frustrated or annoyed that I couldn't go to things? No. Genuinely? Yeah, genuinely. No, not at all. Because you got the... to have a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's not it. But I think, like, I think what's, I think what's hardest that because you even, because you even told me, like, you never m- made me feel bad about uh, going out 
being with my friends or something. I mean, I think not that I'm the most uh, like going out person ever. Um, so that wasn't really an issue. But when I wanted to see my friends, you didn't make me feel bad about it. From my perspective, I said to you from the beginning, I will get jealous and I do not blame you for going mm -hmm. out. And I do, I want you to go out. And, but there might be times where like, I haven't been out for weeks and he gets to go out with people that I really like or do something that I really wish that I could be there as well. And I would have a really hard time with that. I never took it out on you. But I do remember we had um, a friend visiting from Canada. His girlfriend was visiting from Peru. They were both in the UK. They went with Sebastian and our best friend Lucy. They went on a day trip to Cambridge. And I was finding, and I had crashed so hard. And I remember just finding that so emotionally difficult. And just being like, you guys are abandoning me. And I was saying it jokingly. And I knew they weren't abandoning me but it just there are times where it can be very emotionally difficult I think it was because it, it was all of you as a group and you only knew each other because of me and I wasn't there and so you guys all came home and bought me chips so that was nice yeah we brought you chips and I think fudge so uh, uh, the best way to placate me is just to feed me <laughs> but I, I think it was definitely really noticeable when the pandemic started and we went into lockdown, I was just so much happier because I think I, I felt like a big theme of my life is like waiting. So if you were out at work all day and then you would go out in the evening, I would just be like waiting like a little puppy excited for you to come home because like I wouldn't have done anything else. And I really want you to be able to go and do this. But it, it like it, it was a really weird thing to see because if I was healthy, I would be going out and doing things on my own. We wouldn't have to do things together. But just generally, I couldn't go out by myself. It had got to a point where I I couldn't go out by myself. So I felt like I was really dependent on you to do things. And then I felt really guilty. Should we talk about the burden? Yeah. Okay. Thoughts. <laughs> I don't have a good question on that. But I, I, I think it's one of the things that a lot of people have asked about on Instagram. It's one of the things that came up the most is this feeling of, of being a burden that you need help with things around the house that you can't do everything that a healthy person could do and therefore you're you're putting things on another person I'd be curious to hear how we well, I know how we navigated but I'd be curious for you to talk yeah. about how how we navigated that I think it's very hard to for people to realize because uh, they are not with us like in our day-to-day -day life so they don't see you know the reciprocation and how what do you contribute um what do i contribute a lot of admin <laughs> um no because essentially i think what uh what we do is that like i look after most of the household so i do the cooking i mean thankfully we've uh we've got a bit of help with the cleaning but yeah i do all of the the domestic uh these kinds of domestic chores although actually i have been able to help more with that now like yeah. um as i've been able to over the years to build up my energy i now can do washing up in the day that's like my activity pacing break i actually quite enjoy it which is really weird um i just don't do the heavy things because i can't lift them up and yes i know i did put the nonstick pan on top of the cheese grater the other day didn't realize that I did that so sometimes it's a question of do you want something done or do you want it done where you don't break a saucepan with a <laughs> but so I, I I do that and I have been sous chefing yeah exactly you've been and cooking uh, every now and then as well and cooking every now and then yeah and you exactly just uh helping out with chopping and all of these things but I think what I wanted to say is that I think what's but you do, you, like, you look after the admin and you're really good at, uh, you know, chasing, uh, chasing like, the utilities people on the phone and all of these things. I think we say that we have, like, uh, complementary uh, anxieties and neuroses, right? So, because I, I really hate talking to, like, it makes me really anxious talking to people. And then you like, sound aggressive, but you're yeah, not. Ex exactly, like, talking to official people on the on the phone, whereas you're calm, like, you, you would also be a good lawyer, actually. Well, I mean, you used to do. You, I started, yeah, yeah. you started a master's. And, yeah, whereas you, you're really good at doing all of these things. And you've got your anxieties around being uh, being a burden, which you're not. And uh, coming back to that, I would say that, like you're contributing in your way and I know that you and I also I just know that you do the best you can the most you can on any given day and you're not like you're not making me feel 
bad about anything. And, you know, and also I think the other thing is that, I mean, now it needs, I think over time it needs less explaining because I can kind of tell when you're fatigued and uh, so on and so forth. But especially at the beginning, I think it was a lot of, a lot of it comes down to communication and like, I think it's a make it, uh, make or break type situation. You know, if you, a relationship uh, with a chronically ill or disabled person, I think requires a lot of, a lot of communication and like trying to, like trying to really make it clear that, oh, I can't, I uh, can or can't do this. So, and I think that can be really helpful because, yeah, I think we, I don't think we've ever had like an argument argument. No. And it's because we're, I think, and I think, I genuinely think it's Like about anything. About anything, like nothing fundamental. And I think it's because we are forced to really talk about all of the, uh, about everything all the time. Yeah, I think about being a burden, it's not, I I don't know, it never, it never felt, it never felt like it because I know that you, you were being open and honest about what you can and can't do. And I knew that. And now also emotionally, I mean, of course, it's hard for me to see you suffer, basically, right? There are days when you are so in so much pain or so fatigued that you can't really talk. And, you know, despite you writing uh, <laughs> funny, funny funny notes uh, in red marker on, on a piece of paper, like that's that's really hard to see. But, you know, that's that's yeah, it makes it makes me sad. And I and I wish, you know, that uh, that goes away when you love someone. That's, you know, that's, uh, that's just the deal. You know, it's not, it's not being, it's not being a burden. Also, I, I mean, honestly, I think a lot of it comes down to like, those are just the cards you are dealt. It's not your fault. Like you're not doing this deliberate, you know, you're not being deliberately in, uh, in that much pain to annoy me. Right. <laughs> Who would do that more than anything? The burden thing is like a lot of your, is your insecurity and like that every once in a while uh, comes through, right? And is exacerbated uh, about once a month hormonally. So, this episode is sponsored by Flow, the online pharmacy that makes ordering your medication easy. In today's episode, we've been talking about the balance of responsibilities, the roles we play at home, and those inevitable feelings of being a burden that can come up when you're the ill one in a relationship. These feelings can also appear when you're not able to go out and run errands for yourself. Errands like picking up medications. With Flow, there's no need to rely on pharmacy opening hours or someone to physically go and pick up your meds for you. You can organise your prescriptions ahead of time with free delivery via the Royal Mail 48-hour track service across the UK. And if you live in Birmingham or London, you can also try the same-day delivery service for free. Two delivery credits are assigned to your profile automatically upon registration. They also offer bookable time slots so you don't have to wait all day for your order. They'll even liaise with your GP so you don't have to and can send you a notification when you need a new run of your prescription. To learn more and to easily manage your prescriptions on your schedule, visit weareflow.com, that's weareflow.com or download Flow on your favourite app store. We were talking about the when I would write you notes. Like I think I had a period of three days where I couldn't talk, mm-hmm. and that was the longest that that's been. And like I literally I couldn't talk. Yeah, that was scary. That was scary. And I talk a lot. I love talking. It's like the one thing I can do. And I could see how upset you were. And this happened when someone grabbed me at the theater, and you got really quiet mm-hmm. and you got really upset as well. And then like I get really upset that you're really upset because of me. Even though it's not something that is my own fault, that then like almost exacerbates. And it's now it's only when I'm really, really bad, like really bad. That I'm like, you know what you signed up for. Do you still want to be with me? And like, it is that just thing of like, at what point is it going to be too much and too annoying? But I think, as you said, like it just it really comes down to like it's because it's a thing about myself that I hate so much that I struggle with so much. Or like, why would anyone else want to put up with it? Because like, I don't want to put up with it. It's really exhausting. And the other thing, um, we were talking about like different roles that we have. There's also like, we're both there for each other emotionally as well. We're not just, it's not just he does the cooking and cleaning. I am there for him for anything that he needs, just as long as it doesn't require heavy lifting, except when he has COVID and then it requires heavy lifting. It was, it was interesting. So Sebastian has just tested negative for COVID after having COVID. And I noticed that like, 
in my head, I was like, he looks after me so well every day, all the time. But like, I really want to look after him. And then I like went crazy and was like doing everything. I was like, stay in bed. I'll make you porridge with pretty patterns on it. <laughs> you know, like I just wanted to, it was almost like it was my turn to be able to look after you. But like just on a day-to-day basis with like, it's not just those physical things. It's like how we're there quietly spending time together or doing small thoughtful things for each other that I think are often overlooked. It's like there, there's this cliche in uh, in Hollywood films and series and whatever that, you know, people get one another like these expensive gifts and these grand gestures and all of these things. I share my affection by cooking for you and getting you water when you sound like a baby because <laughs> you're dehydrated. You know, you calm me down when I'm being uh, stressed about, uh, I don't know, stressed about work or... Uh, that you go over an email that I've written because I'm I'm self-conscious about... Uh, he walks into it, my room like four times a day <laughs> with a computer and I'm like, Natasha's office is now open. Yeah. So I think, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's far more important. And like, we're both, we're both very like cuddly, affectionate in that way. It's like, we're just very affectionate and silly with each other throughout the day oh yeah like i think i think if people like i i think if people saw us through the window they would think we're like you know very weird we're very weird and we like do little dances together all the time and... yes <laughs> we have like at the end of a series uh for example when we watch tv we've got our little uh, our little dances for the outro it's one of those things where we both need alone time just generally we're both pretty quiet at home like we talk to each other a lot but we're both like very happy being quiet together at home and we have very similar hobbies and interests well no okay he's a physicist and a mathematician we do not have similar interests (laughs) yeah I, I think it's one of those things of like we can get so fixated on what we can and can't do physically I always know when you're not okay and it's often like a day before that you'll like admit that you're not okay and so it's like how do we read each other you're smirking because you know it's true yes <laughs> yeah I think it's like we have learned to read each other and how we kind of get around in the day we kind of have our roles in the house and of the things that we know that we do so for example we're planning the wedding decorating the flat when we moved in like all of those things like I do all of the things and I give you options to then we pick from things so like there's never any resentment over things if anything it usually comes down to me wishing that I could do more I think of anything that's like very you know understandably psychological on your part like to me it never felt that uh, it never felt that way so you know because I you know because like it's just just you as a person and either you know either someone accepts you or doesn't I also Um, think what it comes down to is that fundamentally we just get on very well yeah I think what really helps like for example I could see it being difficult if I were you know like some super extroverted person uh because I think we would joke that we're like extroverted introverts like mm-hmm. we can we can be around people and like you know enjoy that in uh, in small doses but it also kind of tires us out a bit right and I think this I think it would be very different if we were like super different personalities and I really needed to be out and about all the time and like I don't know being active I think it really works because we're which is very similar in that respect that, as you said, we enjoy our quiet time and we'd happily lie on the sofa next to one another and just read all day. And we're both interested in a lot of different things. So we're always like learning about new things and thinking about different things and discussing ideas. And so it's not about like those physical things. And then because we are, Sebastian is happy to just like be quietly there when I can't do anything else and he can tell when I'm really bad because he'll suddenly be like sofa fort time and that'll like cheer me up and make a little fort he always finds I'm gonna cry he always finds ways to make everything always just feels very special and sweet and affectionate and so it's not about like grand gestures every now and then it's more just like we fundamentally get on and like each other as people and we have a very similar sense of humor and we can turn everything into a joke and so it can be really funny. Like when I couldn't talk, like I was making funny notes and I could see in your face, you were like very unhappy that I couldn't talk. <laughs> and it was really funny. My mom's like, he must be so happy you're not talking. What oh, a yeah, fun break was... for him. And he was like, no, I actually missed it. 
No, I know that was that was funny because your mum because your mum was joking uh, that you know like oh he must he must really like you because he misses you talking. Um. <laughs> but I think we have been able to find ways to make things comfortable and affectionate, and it just is kind of part of how we get on and one thing I will say I, I was talking to a friend about this years ago and she said you don't need to be grateful and I said no I think it is important to be grateful because whenever like I say I, I say thank you to you all the time and I, I show you and I tell you how much I appreciate it and it's not no one is making you do this you do this because you want to but at the same time I don't ever want him to feel like I'm taking it for granted I don't he does this because he loves me but at the same time I wouldn't just wave my hand and be like well he absolutely should be doing it and I'm not going to feel grateful for it at all because I think that's where the resentment comes I also have to recognize that Sebastian is a human being and he is a person with his own needs and his own shit going on but it is really important to me that I show him that I appreciate what he does I think that you know doesn't only apply in a in this context, you know, because of disability or chronic illness or whatever, I think just in general, showing that you're grateful is a good thing. Because, you know, if someone's done something for you, they don't have to do that. Like, just showing people appreciation. And, you know, it really greases the uh, <laughs> the gears, right? It's, it's, it just it shows that you don't take it for granted. And I think that's, yeah, as you say, like, that's something that I think the I think the day you take someone for granted and you don't you know show them that you're grateful in one way or another it's like that's that yeah that's when resentment starts. I used to buy you a lot of presents at the beginning. Yeah, I know, I know. And but... every time I would have a crash, I bought you like a present. Yeah, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of like nice uh, looking at it. I've got <laughs> a lot of nice Folio Society books because of that. But yeah, well, you really didn't have to do that, and I, I know why you did it. Because um, I didn't feel like I could physically yeah. do something. And that was like my way of showing that I was grateful. I enjoy the notes though. You write very good notes. Thank you. I actually think you write better notes than me. I'm a very self-conscious emotional writer and he's actually much better at it than I am. But some people will say like, you know, you do things for the people that you care about. And I, I completely agree. And it's not saying that like, I don't deserve the help and that I have to be, you know, submissively grateful. For something but I no. do think I do think it's really important to just to acknowledge to it. acknowledge it so I was thinking we could also just do um because we had a bunch of questions I was thinking we could do a quick fire yeah okay sure. are there any ways to prevent compassion or caregiver burnout of the non-disabled partner do you ever get sick of me <laughs> well I can't say it here can I no I'm joking um uh, <laughs> nah not at all um I think that I think that really I think burnout that really comes down to um, I think that really comes down to what we talked about earlier in terms of you. I know that uh, you always do what you can. And, you know, I'm trying to support you in uh, lifting the heavy pans. I think what really prevents the burnout is knowing like that I don't get annoyed. Your favorite question. I think that really comes down to I know that you're, quote unquote, pulling your wait and you're doing them the best you can and also that you're there to support me uh emotionally and and also i think it's just it's something i mean hopefully you're in a place that you can talk about this honestly and you can say like hey i'm like this is also really hard on me as a carer and that shouldn't you know ideally you 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 would be able to talk about this and like i feel for example like i feel like we can talk about this like also afterwards so for example when you had your when you had your three days of basically not being able to talk and i think that's the worst i've ever seen you it was actually really scary yeah you were really upset um i was very upset yeah but the thing is like in the moment i felt like we had to deal with it right but afterwards like i was i was upset and well we talked about it and i think the other thing with that as well is that if we're talking about things physically, so I am able to do more now than I was able to do before. Mm -hmm. But so, for example, um, I might have said, you know, we'll try and plan for some easy things for me to do when we know that you have more work or if you have to go out for a work thing, we try and plan around that so that he doesn't have to go out and make dinner. So whether that's like a really easy thing that will take me a few minutes to make. So I've got something ready for him or whether it's just like, OK, we're getting a takeaway. 
anything that means that like, okay, we're not going to do washing for a while. We're not going anything that it's about being flexible and also recognizing that you work full time. You have to do more around the house. And so how can we take some of those things off your plate, give things to me that are more feasible to do and kind of think about it that way. So like, for example, when you had COVID, it was really important to me that I made like fresh, healthy meals for you while you were unwell. So I have like this amazing, by the way, pasta evangelist ragu, it's delicious. But all I had to do was heat it up. And I had chopped up onion in the freezer and we had some things that we could literally put in the microwave because there were some ready-made meals. And so it just meant that that was something that you didn't have to do, that I could do, but it didn't push me too much to do. And I think being really aware of, like we don't formally sit down and think about like what we're doing that week and who can do what when, but we do kind of, especially around food prep and anything big, we do kind of try and figure out if there's anything that I can do and I can plan my day around that. So for example, if I know I have to do more, I'll make sure I don't have meetings that day or just trying to figure out like how to balance Sebastian's time and energy and making sure, for example, at the end of the workday, he has an hour or two by himself on the sofa to decompress and he watches something in the living room, right? And so there are things that we we have kind of just naturally fallen into over the years and just making sure that we're both respectful of what either of us can do at any given time. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just like when you feel like it's it's overwhelming that you find like ways of maybe because uh, like the biggest thing is time, right? Yeah. For all of these things. Like what is it like? Is it worth you feeling overwhelmed over something or can you like, are you in a position that you can maybe cut back on it or outsource it basically right because that's what it is like if we get like a a ready meal or something it's basically outsourcing it like you don't have to do it and well with COVID I couldn't it's just finding finding ways of you know getting getting some breaks in uh in there at a time when you feel like it's like it's getting too much and not feel like you have to power through Another question. How do you navigate moments where a flare up might lead to you being more emotional or volatile? I'm going to turn that slightly around. How do you deal with it when I'm like more emotional because of a flare up? I think I become more of a schmero. So just just to translate, that's um, trying to like being a bit silly. So um, he always just makes me laugh. So mostly I do like little dances and try to cheer you up. And you just Um, open your mouth really wide. Yeah, exactly. Pulling faces. Like, I think just in general, I'm not like that I go into this like intentionally, but I think I try to be a bit more attentive. Um, It's funny because when I can tell sometimes that you can tell that I'm not feeling very well and you get extra silly, I'm like, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Well, I sit with you on the, I sit with you on the sofa. I think we're quite lucky in the sense that like, I don't take things out on you. Like a lot of people when they're having a hard time, their default is to lash out at other people. Whereas I'd rather just be an asshole to myself. Yeah, that's a really good point because like, again, it also comes down a bit to personality, I think, and like communication really. Because, yeah, you're not the type of person who just takes it out on me and, you know, uh, gets like all aggressive and shouty and whatever. The only thing I do is I get a bit snippy. Yes. Actually, just one thing I will ask about is like, I was so paranoid whenever we went to stay with your mum because we would go in December. Yeah. And flying to Germany, like flying was hard for me anyway. Like I stopped going because I couldn't handle the flight for a while. And it Mm -hmm. was so cold. And I couldn't communicate with your mum until this year because now I can talk to her in Yiddish. But often I would have to spend almost the entire trip in my room. Was that weird for your, like, it was just, it was like your mum was meeting me. We couldn't communicate without you. And I was kind of like just existing. How was that? Because it was really weird for me. And I I asked you for years, like, are you sure your mum's okay with like me (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know funnily enough I think yeah she if anything she asked me like you know more than more than once whether you're okay and uh yeah no just making sure you're okay and you've okay slash not okay right because you were kind of crashing out I think she was just trying to make sure you know that she's doing everything she can to make you feel comfortable I think when did we Oh, when did we? We've been together for like two years, maybe mm-hmm. when we first went to yeah. Germany, right? So 
at that point she like i've told her yeah. what your deal is right so um and she's really and she said to me um last time we went because now i can understand what she says she's like oh sebastian must really love you he gives you his sofa because i have your sofa <laughs> in the living room and she's a very sweet and um i'm really looking but she's going to be here in less than a week so i'm really looking for because she's never been to visit us here so it'll be really nice and yeah i was i had like i was very hung up on her not being okay with me because of my health but that wasn't actually an issue and I think as we've said over and over and over again it comes down to communication and I think there's a way of explaining things like everyone needs things explained in different ways but I tend to try and be very clear in explanations I think also my mum my mum gets the like the fatigue side of things because she well at this point almost 10 years ago she had cancer and had chemo and from the chemo like she still like she still has like not to the, the uh, you know not to your extent but she has fatigue as well so i think she also gets it from that point of view maybe a bit more that you need to rest and like i was if, trying to get her to pace when we were there yeah. this year <laughs> yeah and if anything cuz my mom like i think she well she also had covid earlier this year and like she's definitely overdoing it and i think that also helped in a sense you know in terms of awareness uh and yeah she's she's definitely the type to say like you know if anything i would say she's like too careful uh in telling me to rest and convalesce for uh a long time this is where we agree on things yeah it's very good so i think in that sense in that sense my mum and your mum are probably very similar yeah another nice question is are there any ways that chronic illness has brought you together as a couple yeah definitely i would say chronic illness really forced us to you know, talk about, uh, like, talk about uh, what we can and can't do, op- uh, like, openly and honestly and what from want- the very beginning. Sorry, and what we want and don't want in our lives yeah, as well. Yes. So, like, I think, you know, because, um, so, for example, to me, it's it's always, it's always, it's always interesting how, like, some people can get married and never talked about wanting or not wanting kids and things like that. And I, th- I feel like we had pretty much all the big conversations in like what the first year first six months something like that right so i think if anything i think if anything if it works this means just means that you're forced to communicate constantly and you know what is it manage expectations but also i think that it it made us just closer because you saw me from the beginning I was a mess a lot of the time right like it's not yeah it's very intimate having someone look and we didn't talk about this actually but like it's very intimate having someone like sometimes you can't you need help to get in the bath or you need help getting changed or like that's a very intimate thing and you feel very vulnerable and you need to feel very safe with someone and comfortable with someone to be okay with that and not feel like you're being judged and not feel like you're so I think it it made us very, very close. And to be honest, when the pandemic happened, loads of people you saw complaining about like being stuck at home with someone 24-7, we were like, we've done this for years. Yeah, we've done that for years. And also, if anything, I felt like, yay, social pressures off, I don't have to see people. Yeah, and, he, no. and like we genuinely like still have not got sick of each other. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's like when we're working in our separate rooms, we come in and give you like little visits and it's just it's just really nice. So yeah, I think those are some of the ways that it made us closer and I'd like to end by asking you to get to get vulnerable for a moment she says somewhat flippantly I never thought that anyone would want to be with me and I could not imagine that I would be getting married next week I know there are a lot of people with chronic illness that feel like there is never going to be anyone out there that will understand and wants to be with them and I mean dating is bloody horrible anyway like it's, it's just such a horrible thing at the moment anyway but what is your message to anyone that's listening that feels like no one will ever want to, you know, for want of a better term, want to put up with their chronic illness, will want to, will be able to do that? So the thing is that relationships and dating are just hard in general anyway. It ultimately really comes down to everyone as individuals and finding the right person for you, which is hard anyway, whether you're disabled, non-disabled, there's always be people who can't deal with things and they're just not your people and so also from just from my perspective I think that this really brought us closer together and so for example it's 
think you said that earlier that it's uh, also very intimate so for example when Natasha's too tired then I have to pull down her her leggings for her because she's too too tired to do that I think also just in general it really means we have to which I think we've been trying to drive home in our conversation is that we really had to talk and communicate a lot and think if it works it really really works might not look like what uh, Hollywoods or like films and TV are trying to sell you, but who cares? Like if people looked at us, they would think we're Schmerrels. It also just means because we're communicating all the time, it really means that we're very clear about what we expect from one another. And I think there's uh, not really a case of where, uh, except on very rare occasions, where one of us is disappointed in the other because we didn't make it clear or you know thought that we can magically read each other's minds which I think is like a big problem in a lot of cases the thing is also ultimately everyone deserves to be loved and deserves respect and just because one person's ill doesn't change anything for you it's been it's been really hard to accept that you deserve that and you found that really difficult i think at the beginning so it took you like what a full like six months or so to to accept that oh i think it was a year <laughs> <laughs> fair enough yeah and i think it's uh, it's also just being flexible and open and understanding and like finding humor and joy in things that is really important and we all bring different things to the relationship to the table and whether ill or not and it's about the person that you match with and yeah we've got actually that's the uh, reminds me of like one of the so we had to write like our like small little wedding blessings that's part of a traditional jewish wedding but we couldn't do that because uh, i'm not jewish and so we had to write our own. And uh, one is, uh, may your neuroses and anxieties remain complementary so that both of you together form a more or less functional person. So in that case, we, yeah, we really just, I think we really just match one another. So what stresses me out doesn't stress you out and vice versa. So yay. Yay. And I think that's a lovely place to wrap things up. A big thank you to Sebastian for being my guest today. It was my first in-person recording and it was a lot of fun walking down memory lane. It felt very fitting to be discussing some of the positives and challenges of navigating relationships for those of us who live with chronic illness during our wedding month. If you want to read more about how we made our wedding chronic illness friendly and have a nosy at some of our snaps, why not subscribe to my restroom newsletter? It's an in-depth look at how to live and live well with chronic illness. Find out more at natashalipman.substack.com. There's a free membership and I also offer premium subscription for £5 a month or £50 a year, which gives you access to exclusive in-depth content and also supports the restroom. Thank you again to our sponsor Flow, the online pharmacy that makes ordering your medication easy. Visit weareflow.com, that's weareflow.com or download Flow on your favourite app store to manage, track and have your medication delivered at the touch of a button. Please rate, leave a review and share the episode as that really helps new people find us. We've got some really amazing episodes coming up, so that really, really does help. Well, I guess that's all from us. Thank you so much for joining me in the restroom. Ta-ta for now. Bye.